0: S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer. So cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. I'm Scout Sobel and welcome to the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast where we talk business strategy while also vulnerably connecting on emotional resilience. As the CEO and founder of Scout's Agency, a female-focused agency where we get women as guests on podcasts and someone who has suffered from managed and lived with bipolar disorder, the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship is where I find my success if you are here, it is because you are ready to feel safe in your emotions so that you can live your life of purpose. Let's get into the inspiration, shall we? Hello, emotional entrepreneurs, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited that you are here, honored, grateful, feeling all the things today, because last week was fucking insane. Before I get into this episode, which by the way, is probably one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. It's with Rachel White. I will introduce her shortly. I want to do a little uh, recap of what happened last week to me, to my agency, because it truly was just an abundance of opportunities, one after the other. So first, uh, Scouts Agency launched their new website, our new website, and it was so beautiful. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, I highly recommend to go to scoutsagency.com and do a little peruse, let me know what you think. We did a whole refresh, not a rebrand, similar, you know, style guide, logos, colors. We just really felt as if we needed to sophisticate it up. So that's what we did. We up-leveled it. We have so much information on there from what is a podcast tour, how a podcast tour can benefit your career, the FAQs that we get from prospective and current clients a list of the top podcasts we've books, clients, there is so much information that can help you decide whether or not a podcast tour is right for you, whether or not being a guest on podcasts podcast is right for you. So to kick off that incredible, incredible uh, launch, we had a whole communications going on at the agency. Last week's episode was with Heather Bird Henderson, our director of clients, to kind of give you a behind the scenes look at the agency. We were on IG Live, we sent out newsletters, we had pretty reels go up on Instagram, at Scouts Agency and overall it was just such such a successful launch for us and it was so, it was a launch that I was really really proud of aesthetics and branding and digital presence and how I show up really really does matter to me and as I've built Scouts Agency the brand of Scouts Agency has been at the top of my mind and I feel like our digital brand finally reflects the true growth and expansion that we've experienced in the last three and a half years. So definitely go check out our new website, scoutsagency.com. But so much more happened, and to be honest, I wasn't even prepared for it. I had no idea that all these things were happening at the same time. I really just thought last week was the launch of our new website. But my episode on the Simply Be podcast by Jessica Zweig launched it was last Tuesday. Jessica Zweig was one of my early clients, and has been a very dear soul sister, mentor, role model, expander, support in my journey as an entrepreneur. And we really got into podcasting as a business strategy. We got into the nitty gritty about the power of podcasting, why I've seen my clients soar through podcast tours. We also talked a little bit about my story becoming an entrepreneur. It is one of the most treasured conversations on a podcast. I will forever be honored and in awe that I was a guest on that podcast. It was very full circle for us. Additionally, Michelle Grant, the CEO of Lively, invited me on her IG Live to talk about being a female founder, which was really, really exciting. Uh, One of my best friends, Whitney Eckes, her podcast episode with me dropped on Under the Influence podcast, My episode on the San Diego Magazine podcast dropped and my feature on San Diego Magazine dropped. It was just like one after the other after the other being in the presence of these features with women that I so admire in the entrepreneurial space. So one, we had the website launch and then two, all of these podcasts and IG Lives and press features were dropping that week which just made me feel as if I was in this super speed expansion mode. I also went up to Los Angeles last week to meet one of my clients that we have been working with for over two years. I've never met her in person. She lives on the East Coast, but she was in LA. So I drove all the way up there. I drove my pregnant body up there and met her, which was also the absolute best. It was like, I know you, but I've never seen you in person, and I love you, and you're the best. And it was just a reminder of why I do what I do and how grateful I am that I've been able to call in clients that really are just the fucking best. So that also made my week. And then I hosted a free masterclass on Friday. At the end of the week, to celebrate the agency's website launch, I hosted this free masterclass called Is a Podcast Tour Right for You? The Benefits of Being a Guest on a Podcast and How to Massage Your Messaging. And I am going to be releasing this masterclass, I think this week, if I can get the Editing back in time, so don't uh, don't quote me on that. But it should be up on Thursday. So you will all get the benefits and the juicy goodness that was provided in that masterclass, which I was so proud of, it was so amazing. I'm sure some of you that are listening here to this podcast were attendees of that masterclass. It was incredible to be in a container with all of you female entrepreneurs talking about your personal brand, talking about your messaging, and talking about the impact you wanna create as thought leaders and as business owners. So one, to everybody who attended that masterclass, thank you so much for spending your Friday morning with me. And at the end, I launched my latest new private consulting package. It is called The Reflection of You, a personal brand narrative package. And it is my last big consulting slash coaching package of the year since I know you all know in November, I am going on maternity leave for having my first baby girl. I launched this new private consulting package on Friday to those who attended the masterclass. I'm only offering five of these and we have already sold three. So there are only two spots left. We sold over half basically on the spot on Friday which was amazing and so now I'm offering this package to you the emotional entrepreneur podcast community there are only two spots so if you want to grab this go to the link in the show notes it'll take you to a payment page you can get secured and into my into my uh, schedule Danielle will reach out once you've paid and signed up um, and we will get going because there are only two packages left so this package is really for entrepreneurs and personal brands who aren't sure how to communicate the magic power and uniqueness of why you do what you do. So you get private one-on-one time with me, you will receive mentorship assets, even your own podcast pitch. So if you're ready to pitch yourself as a podcast, but maybe you're not ready to sign with an agency, I write your podcast pitch for you. I will write a personal brand essay on you so that you can experience the magic power and uniqueness of you and your vision. So here's exactly what it comes with you get a personal brand essay, which is a one to two page, essentially article written on you. This is valued at $2,500, and what it does is I reflect back to you who you are as a business owner, entrepreneur, and personal brand. As you read through this personal brand essay, you get to discover parts of yourself that you didn't know were that powerful or shiny or unique. You can also use this essay, the copy in this essay for your website, for your social media, for your newsletters, etc. You get two one-hour private consulting sessions with me. This is valued at $1,000. The first one, we really go in depth into your story, and the second one, we really go in depth into strategy. I will then write a podcast tour pitch for you so you can pitch yourself to be a guest on podcasts. This is valued at $3,000. And then I will rewrite your bio with this new personal brand narrative and messaging, which is valued at $500. So, the total value of this package is $7,000 for, for the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast listeners. The price is $5,000. And I'm gonna take it a step further. If you sign up by the end of the week, please use the coupon code Emotional Entrepreneur for $500 off. So, you will get all of this for $4,500 using the code Emotional Entrepreneur. So, we only have two spots available. Let's see who snags them. You can go to the link in the show notes to immediately sign up, or you can go to scoutsovil.com slash coaching to get the link there. Okay, so let's get into this episode. I interviewed Rachel White. Rachel White is the skeptical shaman. Here for the spiritually homeless, Rachel blends real-world pragmatism, her sense of humor, and ancient tools and techniques into her practice as a trained shaman, medium, energy practitioner, self-published author, and flower essence maker. As one client wrote in a Yelp review, Rachel White is the Amy Schumer of shamanic practitioners. She is equal parts blunt as she is spiritually unique, breaking every preconceived notion of the traditional image of what it means to live a spiritual life. She is, simply put, for the spiritually curious but non committal who are looking for a more profound sense of meaning without feeling like they are joining a cult. So Rachel was a client of ours here at Scouts Agency. It was such an honor to run her podcast store. And she's one of my favorites because her messaging is so different. Her delivery is so unique. She is the real fucking deal in so many different assets of business, spirituality, shamanism. She has a really, really unique background coming from more of a corporate background. So we get into all sorts of things, shamanism and entrepreneurship, the myths of entrepreneurship, spirituality. I, we could have talked for another two hours, let's put it that way. So I am so excited to introduce you to Rachel White, and I hope you will all join me in welcoming her to the Emotional Entrepreneur podcast. Okay, we are in for a treat because I have Rachel White on the podcast. And I am like scared isn't the right word, but you know when you're thrilled because you don't know what, what's about to happen, but you know it's about to be a fucking ride. That's how I feel right now.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I take that as a compliment. I love that feeling too, by the way. The worst crime you can commit with me is being boring.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay, so I want to dive into it because you really have incredible practical, tactical advice when it comes to spirituality, business, et cetera. So let's, let's start with what is shamanism, first of all, for those who might not be as familiar with that term. Sure. So
1: I always start with the word. The word shaman means wounded healer. So it's a very particular specific subset of what you consider maybe an energy healer, psychic, clairvoyant, yada, yada, right? It's a, it's a bucket within that. And it differs from a lot of practices in that every shaman is different. And even when we work with our clients, all of their experiences of spirit are different. So it's a standard set of tools and practices, but within that complete freedom.
0: And how did you become a shaman? Because I know before you were saying that it was a very long process. Talk to us about what that actually looked like.
1: Well, you know, I followed the trajectory a lot of psychics follow, which is you're kind of tormented as a child. And then you grow up and you cling to hyper-rationality and you dismiss or couch or explain away a lot of your early experiences as maybe psychological phenomenon or whatever. So I joke with people that after like Catholic school, Catholic college, I was a good little atheist. Like that's what Catholic school will do to you. You're like evolutionary biology, 100 percent. You know, Darwinism. (laughs) Yep, that makes a lot more sense, mainly because you watch so much hypocrisy. You know, mm-hmm. and so many of those quote authorities don't, they don't know the answers to your questions. They don't know anything about God. You don't know. And then I had an experience that was during waking hours. So not a dream, not a meditation, like a, just a spontaneous experience that other people observed. And there was physical phenomena, you know, meaning quantitative, measurable, something happened here. And it spun me out. And I remember being like, well, I don't want to be dogmatic about anything. So I have to go back to the drawing board. And so that began the process of exploring or, as I say, relearning. I think what I knew as a young child, which I think is a very common human ism anyway, Mm -hmm. spiritual, psychic or not. And went to a lot of workshops, got trained in everything and then just started doing tarot readings was the first thing I really focused on. Because I did tarot cards, God, when I was in third grade, I think I started, I was a kid creeping everybody out you know I'm telling my my first stepmother I've had several like you yeah, know it's not gonna last kind of a thing and meaning it like pulling cards and understanding like oh this is a powerful little tool and then just to have expanded what I do with Totem, which is the name of my my business, my spiritual practice over the last decade or so. And I built it off the side of my desk in corporate. I'm not one of those people like when you find your, you, the thing that lights you up, I don't think you should always take the plunge because guess what, running a business is expensive. <laughs> you need capital. I always joke that Totem was uh, subsidized by corporate America, right? That's how <laughs> I worked that out. And the other thing is when you're you're practicing and you're working with clients, I'm really glad I didn't have financial pressure in any of those situations. So you could really focus on just the quality of the service, develop some best practices, lessons learned, almost like a pilot for a technology tool, you know?
0: How did you become so unapologetic in your beliefs and your practices? Because going from extremely rational going from a catholic school upbringing going from that world and and i think that's probably part of your magic and why you are so approachable because a lot of people can see themselves in you right like you you don't necessarily quote unquote look the stereotypical spiritual person and that invites people who might not be in the space in in many ways but how did you dismantle that identity and that life's perspective and then stand so in your power in in this way of life
1: I actually think I got inoculated. That's it, the way I like to term it against thought prisons, thought diseases as a child. Because I grew up with a lot of mental illness, overt abuse, like non-cute abuse, as I call it, drug use and everything else. And so when you don't have responsible parents and you don't have a traditional home and you have to adult very early, you think on your feet. And the benefit of that for me was I never had authority figures mm. that I believed like I never, I never got indoctrinated in that first myth because my, parents such disaster areas. So I would cha- even in Catholic school, I challenge everybody. And I think it's just always been with me since childhood. I, I didn't get the benefit of believing the big lies early.
0: What a gift in a very, very yeah. strange way, because- sometimes when I'm looking at my limiting beliefs or I have like a, you know, thing with perfectionism, et cetera, it usually is because I'm afraid of disappointing either my mom or my dad or the community I grew up in, et cetera. And breaking ties with those communities while I had a very, and have a very loving family, et cetera, it it can take a lot to kind of break that tie very distinctly. Yes.
1: Yeah, and I was never burdened with that. And my joke is like, I I think I turned out okay because I was neglected you know like no one was imprinting weird parenting stuff on me I didn't grow up with shame or guilt Mm -hmm. because my parents I just never latched to them that way that you're kind of supposed to and so you do go through a decade or so of processing that I've been in therapy since I was four off and on everyone should go to therapy it's good for you Mm -hmm. but then you sort of come out the other side and as a shaman it's interesting because I think it just enabled me to take in new data and to not glitch when I had cognitive dissonance and go, okay, I give myself permission to change my mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm in charge of my beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I'm always learning, right? And no one's the boss of me. It makes me a difficult employee, by the way. (laughs) It's a good thing I found innovation work and other things that I did in corporate where I had value, but as a, as a soldier, not, not a good, not a good candidate,
0: though. Yeah, I'm I'm very similar, except I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. So all that stuff I just harbor inside and then resent the person who's like a boss or an authority figure. To me, I've always been very rebellious against authority figures from a very young age.
1: We need more of that in the world, I think, actually. Yeah. There's a lot of group think, and people think they're like resisting and standing up to the man, and you watch them and you're like, no, 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 no. You just shifted from one cult to another.
0: Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. When, cause I'm starting to see this in my own life and it's very difficult to explain when you realize that the beliefs you hold were man-made and therefore you can create your own and therefore they're not yes. actually real, like another belief in reality can exist. And then you, yeah. you really work on those beliefs. You surround yourself with people who are not necessarily have the same beliefs, but are comfortable challenging that kind of stuff I found it the most with money and business for for example or like your job and stuff like that that's where I really found that and then you go into a group of people who are still almost and I I, I'm so sorry I'm gonna say this because I fucking for some reason hate this who are still plugged into that matrix and it it, it's like amazing to see after you've unplugged yourself and decided that you are going to create the belief that best serves you in your life yes
1: yeah and You know, the big thing with shamanism, to me, the beauty of it, is you've got all these tools, processes, things that are consistent, by the way, organically, Mm -hmm. throughout time, across geographies, these groups of people, these tribal peoples, um, weren't emailing each other, and yet we all still got precisely to the same place. But my experience of spirituality is going to be different from everyone else's. So the belief system isn't a belief system. Yeah. look at the way I conduct myself personally, spiritually is everything's an experiment. I stress test ideas. I let new data come in and without attaching to it or judging it, I go, okay, this is interesting. What could this be? So it's a lot of journaling. A lot of it feels like nonsense, but with a lot of psychic and spiritual work, hindsight is where you put the puzzle together. Mm. You go, oh my God, that's what that was. And now I'm in the moment where that's relevant.
0: I just had an experience like that where I realized in hindsight what this six-month struggle that I was going through was for. And it's almost this muscle where you just have to trust that once the hindsight comes, then it all makes sense. So
1: falls into place. It yeah, falls into yeah. place.
0: Okay. Talk to me about how people, like general people, your clients, entre- entrepreneurs specifically, can benefit from... I don't want to say shamanism in general, but going to a shaman like yourself, what are the things that someone might go to you for to break through or get support with?
1: Sure. Well, every shaman or healer or psychic or whatever, they're all different, you know, 32 flavors of the basket and robins, right? But me personally, it's the democratizing of your spiritual data. So my big word through which I filter all my work is truth. Not like I am the truth. You know, like some people are like, if you insult me, you're insulting science. It's like, no, I'm not doing that (laughs) shit. But more just like I come with it with that intention. I have, I'm operating in good faith and we're here to look at the objective spiritual truth so that maybe you can't always see when you're in it. You know, it gives you that 20,000 foot view of what's going on past, present, future, me, the people around me, work my energy, body, all these different things and take a look at it and then discuss, you know, if there's some challenges or opportunities, how we get into that and just practical things. So a lot of my clients have tremendous amounts of scarcity energy. Mm. This is something I've suffered from too, because I grew up in a financially volatile home and it's scary, right? Yeah. Um, Dave Chappelle is a great bit in up standup, but grown up poor. And his dad say, we're not poor, we're broke. Mm. (laughs) You know, just the way that frames your brain. And so we're working through, well, what's the worst that can happen? And and getting, it's funny, shamanism doesn't take the toxic positivity route. We go like, well, let's say the worst happens. Let's say everything gets taken from you. Then what? You're still breathing. Mm -hmm. And you also have no control. That's the thing in shamanism. You can exercise free will. You can make choices. Shit's still going to happen to you. And learning that that's always for your benefit, just like we were talking about my childhood, that was for my benefit. I picked those people because I came into this lifetime to do this work, full stop. So one thing I I dispel regularly is the myth that when you get spiritual, everything just starts working out great and everything's perfect. So it's not the case. In fact, if you know anyone who does this work, our lives are very dramatic because we're constantly getting new new lessons and it doesn't end you know the roller coaster ride doesn't end but you develop better skills to handle it so yeah financial scarcity i would also say everyone's overworked because a lot of us i'll just include myself i earn love by doing Mm. i put points up on the board i'm working on that and instead of seeing myself as having value just breathing and existing I, i judge myself and measure my value as a person on what i'm what i'm doing what i'm producing What I'm delivering, what I'm giving clients. So even I'm working on that. Sometimes you just need some shaman tools to chill the F out, because that's all your illusion of control.
0: That's that's just an addiction like any other. Yeah. Okay. There's a million places that one could go based off of everything that you just (laughs) said. Let's let's tie it to to the entrepreneur real quick. Yeah. Because I think that shamanism and entrepreneurship. I've always said that starting my business was the biggest personal development and spiritual game possible because it taught me so many of these principles that you're talking about. So the first one being that just because one lives a spiritual life and taps into the frequency and does the manifestation and da, 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 does not mean that suddenly our lives move forward with this clear channel. It just means that when the challenges come, we're more equipped to handle them. So... I yes. as someone who's you know recovered recovering I have to figure out my language around that from bipolar disorder I still get manic I still get depressed it just doesn't hold so much control over my life very similar in entrepreneurship things that used to completely take me out for a week now I can handle in 10 minutes because there's a bigger fire coming my way so can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about about how we can start to emotionally wrap our minds around the fact that life keeps happening our trust and strength muscle just gets stronger. Yes. Well and also the
1: you know my personal illusion when you said life keeps happening my version of that is I think of life as a to-do list because I was always in such you know intense emergency urgent situations as a child. Mm-hmm that the other day, this is a couple months ago, actually, I was talking to my husband. I said, I I, I saw it clearly as like an image. So shamanism, the meditation practices we use, your subconscious mind will start talking to you more in symbolic. So I saw a to-do list and I realized I approached life like a to-do list. Mm -hmm. And I go, but what happens? Like, are you ever done with life? Is the to-do list ever done? No. Is that the right way to approach life? No. And so in terms of these, these skills and the way to look at it, and, and being an entrepreneur, because I'm one as well. It's, it's an interesting balance. Like the name of your show, Emotional Entrepreneur. I let myself get angry. Mm-hmm. That was hard when I transitioned to Totem full-time, was I was like, no, you got to behave. You can't have these thoughts. You have to rise above. You have to grow. It's like, I'm wired to get angry and hungry sometimes. That's kind of part of my medicine, right? I just don't get angry at people. So client, no shows, no calls. I don't interact with them for a while. Because I I know myself. Mm -hmm. So I go on a walk. I meditate. Generally speaking, a couple hours later, I'm in a much better place. And one of the other big things with all of that, and specifically, let's say someone's no call, no showing, or you've got a lot of cancellations and it feels weird, whatever that means for you in your business, there's a scarcity thing that kicks in where it's like, well, I could just reschedule them and it's fine. Or I could just do this and it's fine. I don't do that at all. Because shamanism has taught me, and, and this is also a Kabbalah thing. I love Kabbalah. I'm a receiving vessel that's really how abundance works mm-hmm. so great client service yes but i don't have to accommodate nonsense and i have to clear space to receive the people that can receive the work in turn mm. so you know giving yourself a go no go criteria if a client behaves a certain way consistently just saying you know it's not a good fit right there are other trust me there's a psychic on every street corner all over instagram you can find one you'll be fine i'll be fine and just being super objective and constructive about that and getting myself out of that feeling because I'll hang on to that for a while and I don't want to work with clients where I'm I'm harboring some weird resentment.
0: Yeah. That's not good in
1: spiritual work.
0: No, we talked about this a little bit on the IG live that we did together and I think it's a it was a revelation that changed my business where it was just because you are a paying client does not mean that I have to as you say like give into this nonsense and accommodate the nonsense and so just full permission mm. to really really be in your value to not have that scarcity thing come up and permission to not work with everybody that knocks on your door like it mm. it actually allows the door to be open for the people that you can receive properly yes and that point
1: that you just made in shamanism you pay attention to signs and symbols mm so i i released a client and i was nervous about it you know because we also live in a time of cancel culture angry Yelp reviews you know what i mean like things can really go sideways for literally no good reason my husband's a chef so this has happened in the restaurant industry for the last 10 years and i have to hear the stories about the one-star review because of the cutlery (laughs) as if that has anything to do with anything but the minute i say no and i go no because ethically in my integrity you know i respect shamanism and it, it sort of offends me that you don't treat it that way. Like that bothers me. Not that I take myself seriously, but I take shamanism pretty seriously. You know, I changed my whole life to do this. It's sort of a thing. Within minutes of doing that, I'll get so many, like the emails come in making requests. And I, I joke that it's like the universe is a dog trainer and it's giving you the treat for doing the good thing. It's the positive affirmation, the carrot. And if you're paying attention to the signs and symbols and you're really watching things as they unfold, you go, oh, this is positive reinforcement from spirit. They, cause they want me to do more of this. They're supporting me.
0: Mm, that's the best because it's, if we don't stop to recognize the sign or the win or the pattern or the breakthrough, there's no way we can create more of that, right? It's just, you can't do it. So, okay. I want to talk about scarcity because obviously that is something that a million bajillion and every entrepreneur feels has to overcome, uh, is in the process of overcoming. It's something that I go back to and now know it's a lie, but I still feel it. How can we, or through the lens of shamanism, how can we reframe our relationship to scarcity?
1: So, this is my ongoing struggle. Yeah, so do as I say, and not as I always do, guys. Full transparency. For me, I have got to get out of the doing sometimes. It, I really have this thing where I feel like if I exert will and I stay busy, I'm gonna control my financial situation. And if you really step back and you look at your your timeline as a business, right? like Scouts agency or Totem, So many opportunities come from left field, they come from moments when you walk away from your desk, when you relax, when you connect with a friend, and that's the yin aspect of abundance energy, it flows like water, path of least resistance, you white knuckling it, driving yourself fucking crazy at your desk, is so counterproductive to you, engineering value, or, or driving value in any way. And it's funny. I take, I make a flower essence. It keeps selling out. This will tell you where everybody's at with scarcity with inflation and interest rates and the fed and supply chain issues is um, I make a flower essence called newly minted out of mint and day two of taking it. Every time I take it, I get hit with, I, I have corporate clients that ask me to do consulting or freelance writing. And that seems to be the channel that opens up for me with that work. And all of a sudden they all show up and I've had to put it away because I'll mindlessly take it. And then I keep getting requests and it's requests from CEOs and stuff where if you say no, they may not ask you again. Mm. And so in a way that's my little witch trick and, and it functionally works in a way where I got really concerned that I'm putting those out in the universe. I was like, Oh, that's witchcraft. That's not (laughs) just a thing. But then also it's shifting my energy in a placebo way. Every time I take it where I'm like, you know, it's day two, I get money. Everything's okay. And, you know, whether it always works or whether it's tuning my energy body such that it works, I don't care Mm -hmm. how it works, Mm -hmm. just that it does. I also pull cards, tarot cards, when I feel like there's something opaque in front of me with my business. How do I proceed with this?
0: Okay. Can you talk, one, my, I need, I need that, your flower essence, because I've been taking flower essences for a while from my energy healer. She makes them as well. And I always say to myself, like, if I take the focus one, it's the intention. It's like a physical act that creates the intention for me Mm -hmm. to focus. And that is incredibly powerful on its own. Oh, I just fucking lost where I was just about to go with this, which was really, really, really important.
1: I mentioned tarot. Tarot, and thank you. Got you. All excited. Thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um I saw you light up Yeah, didn't have an idea. Pregnancy brain. A, a <laughs> bitch for a podcaster, let me tell you. Okay, so I pull cards, right? It's like a practice that I do. What is the difference between like a general oracle deck and tarot specifically?
1: So you can use literally anything as a tool of what's called divination. Divining the future is seeing the future. I taught a divination workshop and the alphabetical list of every type of divination was about eight pages long, single space, two columns. You can look at clouds and divine them. You can look at a poem and divine it. You can hit shuffle on your iPod.
0: Mm-hmm. Listen how old I
1: am, by the way. Wink.
0: Yeah, that that was... Oh, no, I'm with you. I know exactly what you're talking about. And slip, <laughs> you know how
1: old I am. And, uh, and, and ask a question. See what the song lyric is or the title of the song. So the oracle cards work as any other form of divination. What you pull has some kind of significance. Now, tarot is a little different. Tarot, there's a real solid rigor and architecture to it, much like with astrology, which is another form of divination when it's predictive astrology. So if you've ever talked to like a tarot nerd or an astrology nerd and it gets granular, it gets weird, you go deep, like we're a little nuts. It's almost like talking to a software engineer about something. A tarot deck has 78 cards. They have 22 what we call major cards. They're like the main characters in the story. They're big archetypes. When they, a lot of those show up in a reading, you're like, okay, here we go. Tectonic plates are shifting, it's seismic, it's long, long count, big cycle work. Um, There are court cards, just like in playing cards, you have kings, queens, you know, all that good stuff. Those tend to be characters in our life, like people, right? And then you've got four suits that represent the four elements. And in my deck, we made cups into moons Mm. because I just associate moons with water, femininity and um, wands or trees, the coins we made crystals, you know, because I like the idea of money that grows instead of is made. Mm. You know, don't get me started on fiat currencies in the Federal Reserve. I've got a whole thing about that. And then swords we made into metals, like the idea of a metal being a, a conductor of information or electricity. So there's a whole thing with tarot it goes back to ancient Egypt and the ancient Hebrews when they were in Egypt. And it, it's like a whole universe into itself.
0: Yeah. So I think that my, so I, I've talked about just using kind of Oracle decks to help in your business yeah. because they're a great way to pick a card think about things a little bit differently, shed light on somewhere that you might not, or even get reassurance, right? I'm classic at picking the exact same card over and over and over again until I learn the lesson and then I get another card. Um, I have been hesitant to jump into tarot because I feel as if I need that expertise behind it to use the deck. Is that correct or incorrect? Yes and no.
1: Everyone can use a tarot deck. I mean, you know, like uh, I watch a lot of MMA I know, it's become a weird hobby of mine to watch mixed martial arts and cage fighting. I don't know, (laughs) it's whatever. So there's some, there's some gap in my life, apparently. But there's a commentator, his name's um, Daniel Cormier, and he was talking about mixed martial arts. He goes, there's levels to this, meaning everyone can have a black belt, right? But like, then there's a deeper, deeper, deeper level. It doesn't mean your black belt, you know, doesn't have value. Mm -hmm. Of course it does. Your knowledge does, your expertise. But the big thing I always tell clients when they get a deck, especially because we published ours and people are like, how do I use it? And we actually wrote that in a little booklet. Mm-hmm. Like we have little exercises, but one of them is you pull a card in the morning, you don't think about it. You pull it, you set it. I put mine on my bedside table when I'm doing this work live my day, come back either right before or after dinner, depending on what's going on in your day. You look at the card again and you you look at the little booklet that came with the deck and you read it and you reflect on how did this manifest specifically for me today? Mm. And that's when you build your individual, this is a very shamanic approach, individual language with the card. Like the Ace of Crystals card for me, I will always get a work opportunity. I always get a phone call or an email that has the potential to make money. It's the beginning of that the planning of that seed and and it's never failed like when I was looking for work or trying to interview if I got that card I'm like I get an offer Mm. like here we go so they take on these super specific connotations depending on the individual and also the deck every deck has sort of a personality I've been told mines a lot for people like someone was like is it supposed to vibrate I was like no (laughs) like are you are you on mushrooms or something that's amazing and because
0: I'm a maniac I'm like oh it's
1: cool though they're like, is it though? Because now it's in my house.
0: I'm like, yeah, no, it's fine. Okay, okay. This is what I need. I'm gonna, I'm gonna order this after this because I've always been just a little I'll afraid. Send it to you, scale. Yeah, I'll order. I'll it. send you. I'll, one. I, I like ordering things that people make. It makes me happy. It's okay. the way I. Well, thank the you. way I support and give back, and it makes me feel like I'm contributing to the currency of you know people doing awesome shit it's one of my things that i like to support the parallel
1: real economy yeah. of real people creating things instead of being parasites yeah, yeah it's
0: it's a good feeling i'm with yeah. on that i try and do that yeah too. it's yeah. one of my and i'm gonna list link all these things all of your stuff in the show notes for anyone who wants to purchase and do this with me as well so real quick to clarify you don't look at the card in the morning you look at it at night correct
1: yeah. yeah, I might glance at it or whatever, but I don't, I don't get super fixated okay. because it's my way of running an anecdotal experiment. It's obviously not, you know, scientifically rigorous, but it's just about testing the card. Okay. Did the card show up? And it has never failed me. Mm. It has never been totally off base. Mm. And trust me, when you start pulling cards like three of metals or the tower card or something, and you're like, oh shit, here we go. Because every time you've ever pulled that bitch it gets real.
0: Oh my God. You, you just
1: develop a muscle memory. You're like, yeah,
0: here we go. Gear it up. I'm so excited because I feel like I've really uh, strengthened my intuitive muscle when it comes to pulling cards and have really trusted. They, the, the right one always shows up every time. It's freaky. It's freaky in a good way.
1: Well, Carl Jung said that people who really enjoyed tarot and benefited from it tended to be radically honest, huh. number one. So people who are capable of observing themselves with some objectivity, right? Mm. Like you're not filled with delusions and things like that. And the other thing is people who, both hemispheres of their brain communicate well with each huh. other. So people who are, are somewhat communicative with their subconscious mind have great success with tarot.
0: That's very interesting and probably reflective of me. I can, I can relate to all yeah. this stuff. It's also a really good, exercise and relinquishing control in many ways because once you see that there is something guiding you through these cards, you can kind of take your hands off the wheel a little bit because you're not the only one here, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll do a reading for myself and it's like there was one card. It's a different deck than mine. It's out of production. It's beautiful. It's called the Mary L. Tarot and the card for me and my role in the situation, it literally said in the little write-up, be the artist. And I was like, okay, for the next six months, I'm the talent. I'm not worried about business fundamentals. I'm not crunching numbers. I'm going to create. Mm-hmm. I'm going to produce art. I'm going to experiment and play. And and it just gives you a little like hint on where to move.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when yeah. I went through my first really big spiritual awakening, I kept pulling the void in my my deck, like always the void, the void, the void. And then when I moved to a house that had nature, like two weeks before that, it was back, get back to nature, get back to nature. It, was, it really is wild. You said something that you said it was very shamanistic, which is learning your individual language. Can you yes. can you go into that and explain yeah. a little bit? And if anyone is interested, how they can start to learn their own individual language?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, this is kind of the crux of the coaching work that I do, by the way, which is sold out for the rest of the year. Ooh. Sorry, guys. Oh, so get on the waitlist. Twenty three let me know. Well, because I do it, I'm a pain in the ass. Even with myself, it's all individual work. There's no group work. There's no economies of scale. We go down whatever rabbit hole you go down because that's how spirit works. It moves like water. And the primary intake mechanism is what chakras are you dominant in? It's surprising. You know, I'm, a, I'm intensely psychic. I'm second chakra dominant, sacral chakra. Oh, really? Where my filter organs are. Yeah, yeah. Then we get into, are you clairsentient, claircognizant, clairvoyant? Are you an empath? Like where, like, does it show up visually? Do you feel it kinetically? And we run experiments to gauge that. So this is all a part of that. But really the big thing is letting spirit access you the way that is easiest for you. So I always tell people, a lot of our society is, let's say you're born right-handed. The way our society is built, it's like, no, you're gonna be left-handed now, do that. And spirit's like, no, man, why are you fighting the current kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. For me, it's unclear, sentient, clear, cognizant, which are very subtle because it's just clear knowing and clear feeling. And I'll just say something and someone goes, why'd you say it? I'm like, I do not know. I don't have any explanation. <laughs> like your dead uncle didn't show up this time. I do mediumship as well, but most of it is just stuff. And I operate my business that way now. And it's been a massive experiment, nothing but success. It's hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, um, running a business like making bread, kind of. It's salt, water, flour, yeast. Stop complicating it. Every MBA I ever worked with in corporate, I'm like, what do you even do all day? Like, what is this? Because the rest of us are doing work, not knocking people with MBAs. I'm just saying adding layers of complexity to stuff doesn't always yield results. Mm -hmm. And so developing your own language of spirit, sometimes it's so subtle because it's always been with you. Like this guy, Ted Andrews, who wrote a great book about totem animals, he wrote, people wait for the lights to turn on. But if you're psychic, they've always been on. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And so just getting quiet. Part of it, too, is in our society, there's so little quiet. Yeah. And I, I have to be silent with myself for at least an hour a day or I go, absolutely apeshit. I feel out of control. I feel like I'm just in the doing. And when you get real quiet, you go, oh, yeah, all these things come up. And that's what spirit's trying to tell me. It's really very simple.
0: I feel as if I'm pretty good on like which chakras of mine are dominant. The solar plexus chakra is like a little too fired up all the time. My personal power is like engaged and ready to rock and roll my root chakra is always destabilized it's a thing i constantly have to work on feeling safe oh, yeah. feeling grounded that's the thing that's always when i'm when i'm not in alignment my root chakra is totally shaky my sacral chakra very interestingly i have just never felt so connected to it's been the only energy center that i'm like what that where how um which is in Kabbalah they call
1: it um, Esau, which is foundation. Mm, and it's the chakra of creation.
0: Yeah I should say, well, this is a rabbit hole that we don't need to get onto in the podcast. I should say that that chakra has been filled with a lot of shame for me and I yeah so, so it's been a place I don't want to go, you know, and so maybe that's why I feel disconnected. But the top three chakras of mine are always good. I know when my throat chakra is blocked very quickly, I can feel it. So that's been such an integral part of me just getting to know me and where I have to work on.
1: By the way, the whole world is out of balance in their sacral chakra. I have an unusual little gift I learned. I used to think everybody was like me, but the amount of sexual abuse, sexual trauma in the world, but also, you know, the sacral chakra is not just sex, it's power and it's money. And that is where everybody's all messed up in our society because, in my opinion, this is where I get conspiratorial, they want you to consume. You're not going to consume if you're happy as is and if you view yourself as a creator. I create my own reality. I create my own happiness. I create my own money. I create my own food. I create my own life forms. You know what I mean? that idea of being divine.
0: Wait, why so what money is in the sacral because I mean in the in the Yes, it is. Sacral is this the sexual one. I feel like it's in my solar plexus. Like I'm I mm. I'm fired up about money. I feel really in my purpose around money. I feel really good. Yeah. But I feel it in my in my uh, solar plexus and not my sacral. I think I'm just really confused at the sacral situation.
1: It might it might be because you work so much with people. Because the naval chakra has a lot to do with helping people right. and being connected to people, talking to people, you know, getting up on a stage, doing a TED talk, yeah. supporting others, businesses, nurturing them. And that's where you get your money. Mm. And there's overlap and everybody uses all their chakras. Yeah. But as a second chakra dominant person, for example, I don't get energy from people. I work constantly with people and i enjoy them as individuals but i don't get energy from it i like things i like ideas i like making stuff i'm the same way and so under yeah understanding where you kind of hang out so you're not judging yourself and you're not being neurotic and self-critical you're just like yeah this is just kind of me mm-hmm. and so why don't i just do this and have fun
0: i, I have 30 i gotta work on the sacral chakra it's a lot of personal things are coming up that i'm like oh yeah i gotta i gotta work on that okay Thank you for, for th- I'll send you the sacral
1: chakra essence too. Okay. It's named after my grandmother. It's called dead grandma.
0: <laughs> well, it's, well, yeah. I'm pregnant. So that area is really mm-hmm. um, activated in a certain way. And it is triggering the old, like toxic shadow parts of my sacral chakra yes. that came through. And so I'm holding both at the same time. And it's very confusing for me. I have a question for you. I want to, after this question, get into the myths of entrepreneurship, because I think that could be really supportive. But I really resonate with this quote. And I wonder if you do too. It's in a Woody Allen film. Woody Allen did not say Mm. it, but I always have to preface that. Um, Yeah. It says, I do not want, and I interpret it probably the wrong way, but the quote is, I do not want to belong to a club who would have anyone like me as a member. And I feel like I really resonate with that quote because I feel better when I'm a little bit of a lone wolf. I am in community, but I'm not in like, you know, some people are really in the spiritual world and they have a bunch of spiritual friends or some people are in the business world and they have all the business friends. You know what I'm saying? All of the people close to me are in every different type of world. I don't really meet people. I've met like one friend like this, where I'm like, you are just like me. And that makes me feel yeah. good. Or I just kind of wildly guessed that you're the same, but I wanted to ask. Like, Yeah, that's what I thought. And and I
1: articulated this when I was working on on something as the state of being in exile. And pivoting exile is, it's not a negative that I don't Do group activities. I don't really want to be in the clubs. The clubs don't really kind of want me. It's just a vibrational misfit. It's not in alignment. The good piece of that is when you wander out to the borderlands or you're alone with your thoughts, that's where innovation comes from, spiritual or otherwise. So, you and I, our job in the tribe is to go out to the weird crossroads and bring things back, connect people. And you can't see those things if you're in those things. It just doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because I've always yeah. wondered why I don't want to join a group of people who are exactly like me. That sounds like the worst thing in the world for me. Well, you're not going to learn anything. It's not interesting.
1: You know, I, I don't ever, I'm one of those weird people where no one can figure out my politics because I don't have yeah. it. You know what I mean? I don't want to be on a team. It's tribal. It's weird. And all of it reminds me of just cult stuff. Anytime I see matching outfits or everybody has the same diet too, I'm like, oh, I no, don't no, no, no not for me. Well, because I give myself permission to change. Yeah. So what I am this week is going to be different from next month, different from, you know, and that's how I like to roll. And when you get in a group, there's a conformity, whether it's spoken or it's implied that I I don't do.
0: I know that you are super passionate about cult stuff, which could be a whole other episode, but there's, yeah, I think there's a very interesting poll that we're being asked collectively to examine, which is, our biological and primal need to belong and mm-hmm. our individualism and not necessarily just jumping into that group thing, as you said i think it's a very interesting push and pull i think humans
1: are evolving i i know this is going to sound like woo nonsense but i really believe that there is an evolution happening and it, evolution tends to happen in fits and starts not all at once right there's pain there's noise in the system it's like childbirth not to freak you out but you know I can sense the social contractions accelerating, yeah. and there's pain, there's mess, and all all this confusion and stuff, but there's also going to be the birth, I think, of a human 2.0. I really, it, it sounds insane, but I really believe that.
0: Uh, no, because I, I actually believe that as well. I believe that a lot of the insane things that are happening in today's world is is really just like the, the old ways, last desperate attempt of yeah. staying on. And we are going to see an emergence of a whole new way of life. Like this shit is burning to the ground for a reason and we are rebuilding yeah. for a reason. Let it burn, yeah, burn. let it burn, seriously. Let it
1: burn. And, and that's the gift of tarot, like the tower card. People get freaked out. I'm like, no, you want this to fall. Yeah. The tower controls you. The tower is a system that hasn't served you, mm-hmm. right? Let it fall. And the French have a phrase that I love. I love languages where it's laissez tomber. It literally means let it fall. And that's their version of forget about it. It's like, just let it fall. Mm. Why are you hanging on to that? Does that make you happy? Think about it. You know, but there's there's a whole ego death thing that comes with that. Who am I without that? And, and as a society, as a civilization, we're going through that individually and collectively.
0: Yeah, I went through that the first, I'm six months pregnant today. I would say the first five and a half months of my pregnancy was a complete resistance to a new way of being and a new way of life. And I was realizing, like, who am I if I can't work this much? Who am I if I can't do 40 million projects at a time? Mm -hmm. Who am I if I'm not just the entrepreneur, right? And so I was in that resistance. And then I realized last week I got a lot of clarity in I get to cut all this fat. I don't have to be this person. And I got a really clear vision of who I am in my next path. And I recognize that my baby girl was literally letting the old way, like she had to make it like burn it to the ground for me, like just put me at a full body stop, unable to continue in order for me to now rebuild a new version of myself that is more aligned with, you know, whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's pretty crazy when you go through those experiences. This is
1: not motherhood at all. And trust me, I understand the difference. But, you know, I didn't have, like, normal parents and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the city of Chicago was, I felt it had an intelligent spirit to it. When I was a kid, I would go there alone just to be there, just to feel the energy. Leaving Chicago and moving to Texas and having a complete shift in my, I mean, I don't even know how to fucking drive. Like, I have a driver's license. I don't know how to drive. It's hilarious. My grandmother bribed someone when I was 16. That's how I got that first one. And I've just been coasting. (laughs) But grand- grandmother didn't literally, yeah. and it, it when you realize how much of you got filled up by stuff around you, and how that's gone now. So how do we rebuild this? What's the new architecture? What's the new functionality? Who am I if I am not that? living that way, going to Loyalist and getting a cheeseburger on a Wednesday night. like, And I'm also such a creature goddamn <laughs> habit. It was very disruptive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm a definite creature habit. Okay. I want to end on a couple of your, I don't want to say favorite, but the myths of entrepreneurship that you feel yeah. extremely passionate about right now. Cause I think that'd be a beautiful way to round this whole thing out.
1: I'm so fired up this week. This came at the perfect time. Ooh, the yeah. Accidents are, are never no. accidents. I'm convinced of that. Cause I, I, as a second chakra dominant person, I've had to understand that my anger is data Mm. and like, it's not a negative thing. It's data. I'm getting fired up about something. It's a righteous indignance and to like really look at that. And I've been getting a lot of emails because you and your lovely agency and Heather and LA and everybody have been helping and I've been doing podcasts. You get, you get emails, right. And people saying things like, Hey, I've decided I'm going to be a psychic. So how'd you do that? Like, is there a list you get on? And you know, I will just have the most, Unbearably unpleasant reaction to that email, and it's not their fault. They're not doing anything wrong. You know, they're they're not like it's not Ted Bundy. It's just an email. But the the myth that there is a hat trick that solves business, that there's a list or or an agent. I mean, you guys are great, and you've really helped me. But no one can do your business for you, and there's no there's no trick. So it takes time if you want to build it properly from the basement to the attic, which is going to be recession proof. It's going to be way more stable. It's going to be word of mouth. You're going to build a really grounded rooted tree from which to expand out. You just have to show up constantly. And you have to like, I bring the energy I bring to a tarot card reading with a client that I bring to a podcast that I bring to a meeting with a CEO. It's the same thing every time and just honing that and doing it. And, I think people think there's all these like I don't know other moves and it's like no just not giving up is kind of the move.
0: Yes. Amen. And as an agency <sighs> owner, yeah. I can say that people will people will come to me and think that if they pay me this amount and if they get on this amount of podcasts, they will receive this types of results. And we have to remember that the combination of what works for you in your business is going to be just that, a combination of many, many things. But at the root of that, get support here, have someone do your social, be on podcasts, try the Facebook ads, whatever it is that serves your business the most. At the root of that is you showing up and doing it all constantly over and over. There is no dollar amount that you can pay somebody. There is no perfect one size fits all strategy that is going to skyrocket you up. I've seen clients of mine work with us for a year and a half and I've seen like a skyrocket up. I've seen other ones Mm -hmm. have different types of results that serve them in different ways, but it's not that traditional like you know, money revenue kind of standpoint. And so in that, like, if everything is subjective, the only thing that you can really hold on to is you showing up consistently every single day. And scouts agency can't make you
1: an interesting guest. Like the, the content matters. And the other thing that really got me fired up is I've, I've talked to a lot of people. It's a lot of these like coaches where I don't understand what the coaching work is kind of, do you know what I mean? That group where it's like, okay, I don't, what is, is this like a pyramid scheme? What is it? Is this a different version of life, and they'll complain about their social and the algorithm and all this stuff. And and I'm such, I'm so literal and like naive that I'll say things like, well, has it ever occurred to you it's what you're saying? Yeah. Like, are you differentiated? Is it interesting? Do you think you're coming across as authentic? These things actually matter. Mm -hmm. It's not just an algorithm. There are human beings on social media. Be a person. And everybody wants people to listen to them. And they want to be seen it's like yeah but what like think about what you want to say too what's the so what what are you saying to everybody because it is a conversation Mm -hmm. as well yeah and the capitalizing on on the current events thing is a lot of i've observed people creating merch around political events and things like that and it's so cynical and gross and i'm like what are you doing
0: there's a lit theory because I studied lit theory and if you want to dismantle your beliefs that were handed to you by society, take a fucking lit theory class, people. I actually went to the teacher halfway through and I said, this is depressing me so much. I might have to drop out of this class because I, I can't fathom how all of this is made up. It's like fucking freaking me out. But there is a lit theory. I don't know the name of it, but it says that if like society is this machine, right? Anything that is outside of the machine, will figure out a way, if it gets too powerful, the machine will figure out a way to camouflage it. And so mm-hmm. you don't think it's part of the machine, but it is. So like the perfect example is Bob Marley, right? We, our capitalist machine, just ate Bob Marley up. Now we have Bob Marley t-shirts and posters and whatever the fuck we have. And was that actually Bob Marley's point? Was that actually what he wanted? No, the capitalist machine just said, this is threatening, so we're going to figure out a way To adopt it into the machine where people still think they're being rebels, but actually they're feeding the machine at the end of the day.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I'm a little weird with my business because of that exact point, because I can make money doing other stuff I don't care about. Yeah. Right. That's it. I have to make money to pay my bills and I won't live like an animal. But outside of that, money is not a motivator for me or for Totem. It's not. I charge what I have to charge for my time because that's what my corporate clients pay me. Right. So it's just super objective in that way. But I'll, I'll, you know, someone offered me money to refer them clients. There's no way in hell that's ever going to happen because by the way, what's the point of doing this? If I'm not going to, what are ethics or principles if they're fungible at every turn, you have to kind of believe in something. And that also, people don't think of that as your brand, but that's your brand. You have to live it and breathe it. And even if you say no to a little bit of money in the short term, trust me, it pays dividends into the future because you're living the mission. And people pick up on authenticity. I think with the depression we're in economically, and it is a depression, technically, we're right there. I spent all morning working on a white paper about this. You want to talk about depressing, here we go. And it's like all the flim-flam artists are gonna get purged in this fire. Mm -hmm. They are, because they built it on a house of cards. Mm -hmm. What's your value? Is it a good or service of value to another human being? Getting back to the human scale, what are you offering? What's the return on that investment?
0: Yes. A hundred percent. I was just listening to Dean Graziosi on Ed Milet and they're like, we're in a recession. But the main message at the end of the day was if you have value and authenticity and you're showing up, those people prevail every time because at the end of the day, we still need that in our lives. We still want to do business with people like that in our lives, right? Yeah. And when I have a bad day with Totem or
1: I have an unexpected expense or something, I'm good because I'm such a weird, like, I'm, a, I'm an extremist. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like, this is my thing that I believe in. Yeah. That motivates me past my human limitation mm-hmm. with what I'm doing with my practice, where I go, no, 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 there's something bigger that I'm, there's a mission
0: here. Mm-hmm.
1: Not, you know, a cult mission. I know the word mission sounds creepy. It creeps me out. Sorry, <laughs> everybody. But the idea of like, totem is bigger than me. It's more important than me. It's not all about me. So today sucked. This week sucked. i spend X, Y, and Z on whatever, or this happened. Shit happens. Yeah and i think when you have a mission and it it it's a part of you and it's there's some connection to it as a human being you can move forward as an
0: entrepreneur in hard times i agree something about me that i'm quite unapologetic is that i am extremely motivated by money like extremely motivated for you. by money it it yeah. like sometimes I'm like, it turns me on more than sex, to be honest. Like I love money. That's like part of my purpose here on earth. And because I believe in many ways, I am a very genuine, empathetic woman. I think females do business a little differently. The way I make my money has to be clean. It has to have a purpose. It has to have value. It has to give back. It Mm -hmm. has to be supportive. It has to be creating a new paradigm. It has to be doing all of these things or else that money doesn't feel good to me. So, the way, like the more money I make is a more, if I make more money, it's because I've created more impact in the ways that I believe yes. the impact should be created, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: I, that is, you're speaking my language. Yeah. You're preaching to the yeah. choir quite like, cause you know, I can go make money. I I've, I I can go work in corporate. I can make money. Yeah. And and I liked it. I liked having money. Trust me, growing up poor, I really liked it too. I, I mean, walking into Farragum and just buying a pair of shoes, I was like, holy shit, I just did that and I could afford them and it's weird and their shoes I don't need, you know, that whole moment, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's whatever that thing is for you. Every It's just like shamanism or the divine, who your guides are, all this stuff. It's going to be different for you. It might change in your lifetime yeah. too. But finding what is the thing, the thing that's going to get me up in the morning and push through the bullshit or the pain or the fear what's the thing that I can tap into where I can move forward? And I always make money, Mm -hmm. you know? So my thing is sort of like when I, it's like a point on the wall that I aim at all the time. And then I look down and money happened. Yeah. Yeah. And also though, the energy workers, shamans, et cetera, have a really hard time with money. They all need to listen to your podcast. There's nothing dirty or wrong about money. There's dirty shit you can do as a business person, like asking me to send you clients for money is fucking gross. Cause I'm a shaman. I'm not like, you know, it's not a normal business, right? It it felt like fifth base to me. So I'll never get over that email. It's so, it's such a weird hangup that I have. But yeah, like you can be gross and still be poor too. Yeah. 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 You could be gross with money and do weird things and screw over people and end up poor. It doesn't always deliver. Yeah,
0: I, I really believe that money made from good energy and good whatever, all that stuff mm-hmm. is money that will impact the world in a positive way and money made grossly, unethically, et cetera, is going to contribute to a world that has all that energy in it. So
1: look around you, we're living in it. That's the world that we're in. And and I don't think you can just sit around and complain about it or observe it or share your observations. My goal with Totem is to take market share from bullshit artists and bad people. Mm. So the more market share I take, the more success I have, I know I'm principled. It's very motivating to me. But the idea of like sitting around and complaining about everything, that's not really doing much because we've got a lot of work to do if we want to shift the paradigm.
0: And on that note, what a beautiful way to end this episode. Rachel, can you tell everybody where to find you and support you so that you can create that market share impact that we want you to?
1: Yeah. And by the way, if you follow me on Instagram, it's at Totem, Rach, T-O-T-E-M-R-A-C-H. I am, I dislike social media. So it's kind of a funny follow because I'll just post nonsense and I don't really care about being a brand or any of that. So if you enjoy someone who's passive aggressive about social media, there I am. And my website, TotemReadings.com, the tarot deck that we created and self-published is on Amazon, Totem Tarot Deck. It's definitely a labor of love. I didn't want anyone to water anything down. That's my weird purity, my weird ideological rigidness coming through. And um, yeah, the coaching program sold out, but I still see clients one-on-one for tarot readings, for different work. It's my favorite thing in the world. Mm. It's like my spiritual treehouse time. So you're not bothering me. There's not, you know, there's a slight wait only because, you know, people book, but just email me and appointments are just made with me. I'm bizarre in my love of analog systems. I really love it. Yeah.
0: Where can they email you?
1: Oh, Rachel at totemreadings.com. Beautiful. There's also a form field all over my website. So you can just submit a request on the website in all different kinds of places.
0: Beautiful. And I will have all this in the show notes. Thank you so much, Rachel Thank you. and Emotional Entrepreneurs. I will catch you next episode.